Hey, thanks for checking out the first episode of Charleston Conversations. If you don't know me, I'm Brandon Jones. On this podcast, we'll be exploring all corners of the low country. We'll be taking a deep dive each week into its people, places, and events. For the first episode, I wanted to focus on my home for almost 40 years now, Hanahan. Helping me explore Hanahan on this episode is Hanahan Mayor Christy Rainwater. Uh, we will discuss why she came to the low country, why she fell in love with Hanahan, what made her choose public service, uh, what she has accomplished as a member of city council and now mayor in Hanahan, and what she is working on for Hanahan's future. Uh, a little peek behind the curtain here. I didn't realize how sensitive my microphone was, and I was banging my pen on the desk like I was Lars Ulrich. And I, it bled through the audio pretty bad. Uh, so I'm going to have to... I had to recut my part of the audio um so it might not sync up exactly you may see christy ask me a question and you don't hear a response also you, you know she may laugh at something that might seem out of the blue um we just it was the only thing i could do to uh not make everyone turn this off immediately or, or uh you know end with a huge migraine headache um so, as I stated earlier, um, part of this podcast is letting everyone know uh, events going on in the Low Country. Um, so, we're filming this on uh, the 13th. Um, so, with that said, uh, what's going on in the area? Um, my buddy Garce and his crew over at the Windjammer have a, a full week starting tonight. They have Nirvana, a Nirvana tribute band. Tomorrow night they have the Gritty Flyright with Lauren Hall. Saturday they have uh, Randall Fowler from Goose Creek. Um, Randall always puts them out on an amazing show. I can't wait for this one uh, in particular. Um, after the show, after Randall's show, inside they'll have Getaway Bronco, a '90s tribute band. Uh, they play songs from bands like 311 and Sublime, so they have my interest right away. Sunday at the Windjammer is Old School Championship Wrestling with WWE, WWF legend Gangrel and former WCW star uh, Lodi. Um, Friday night, Brandon Simmons will be playing at the Charleston Sports Club in Mount Pleasant. Sunday, Sunday afternoon for brunch, Chris Sullivan will be playing at the Sports Club in Mount Pleasant. Uh, the River Dogs will be hosting Columbia in town all weekend. Uh, Stingrays are hosting Jacksonville uh, Saturday night. Also, Saturday is at the Hanahan Athletic Complex, which is located behind Trident Tech, is battling for Brock. It's a single elimination softball tournament with the benefits going to uh, Brock Borton from Hanahan High School. Brock is a uh, Hanahan student who has a very... Um, a, a nasty bout with bacterial meningitis and was put into a coma. I don't have all the details. I know I've understand that he is, um, that he is responding at this point. Um, I hear he's doing better, but he still has a long road ahead of him. Um, so registration for this tournament, uh, is $150 a team. Um, registration starts at 9 a.m. Saturday. Uh, if you have any questions, which I'm sure there's a lot more to this that I don't have the answers to, 
You can email mandy.jernigan75 at gmail.com. That's M-A-N-D-Y dot J-E-R-N-I-N-G-A-N 75 at gmail.com. Um, Brock gets brought up by uh, Christine in this in the podcast. Um, she taught uh, she we both talk about uh, this is kind of what makes hand to hand special. The uh, how community reacts. Uh, hand to hand is being a a super tight knit community, and when something like this happens, it seems like everyone jumps in to to help out. Um, so again, I you know I don't know all the uh, specifics on Brock. I know it's a. Uh, I know this is uh, the benefits of this of this tournament are going to him. Uh, if you can't make it Saturday and you still like to donate, um, you can. Uh, the Hanahan Athletic Booster Club has been accepting donations, so you could go to HanahanAthleticBoosterClub.com and uh, donate that way if you can't make it to the tournament. Um, also going on in in the area this week. Uh, Two, I want to give a shout out to two guys who received well-deserved uh, promotions. Um, these guys, much like my guest, uh, Mayor Rainwater, have spent a long time serving their community, making sacrifices and putting themselves in harm's way for the community. So with that, I'd like to um, congratulate Jamie Dukes for being promoted to Fire Inspector 2 and Greg Gomes for being promoted to North Charleston Police Chief. Just two good humans who really deserve this. Um, if you would like to be a guest on Charleston Conversations, if you have an event you'd like us to talk about, uh, if you'd like to advertise or would just like to be in touch, you can email me at brandon at fromchaosmedia.com. Hey, thanks again for checking out the uh, first episode of Charleston Conversations. Our first guest is going to be Hanahan Mayor Christy Rainwater. Hello, Christy. Thanks so much for having me, Brandon. Uh, the first episode of the podcast, it, of, of a podcast named Charles Conversation, it might seem a little odd to uh, talk about Hanahan as the first episode, um, but I really wanted to reflect why I love living here in the Charleston area in the Low Country, and Hanahan is a huge part of that. I've been here uh, since second grade, um, and I've made these lifelong friendships and in this tight-knit community. And uh, when you are in the Hanahan community uh, from for that long, and you get to be around people, you're not just you don't get to just be around the people you grew up with in school. You're with their cousins and their grandparents, and you really get immersed in in other people's families in this community. Um, you know, you've seen uh, you know people you played baseball or soccer with from from t-ball, and you grow up, you graduate with them, and so you now know their family for life. Uh, what brought you here from New York? Um, what drew you to Hanahan? Well, you know, originally, I learned about Hanahan from my husband, who was not my husband at the time. Um, I had moved from New York to Rock Hill, South Carolina. So that was actually the first city that I lived in in South Carolina. I was a teacher at the time, teaching at Mount Gallon Elementary School. I was teaching fifth grade. And I had met my husband and found out he lived in this town called Hanahan. 
And so when we started dating, I eventually came to visit and fell in love with the Charleston region. Um, flat out confession, I didn't quite understand because I think until you really experience Hanahan, you know, it sounds like Mayberry, but until you experience Mayberry and realize how special it really is, I thought this is a cool place, but I didn't realize the depth of what was available in Hanahan. The people there, the culture there, um, just the landscapes as well. Everything is just beautiful inside and out. And so that's what drew me there. So when we eventually got engaged and decided to get married, uh, there was no question I was gonna be leaving Rock Hill and coming to Hanahan. So you got your uh, degree in elementary education. Uh, how did it? How did you go from that to more entrepreneurial roles like uh, Pampered Chef, uh, real estate, politics. What influenced you to make that jump instead of uh, you know staying in in the uh, school and maybe going to become well? It's a interesting or an because admin. as a young girl, I had always wanted to be a teacher, and I remember um, being in eighth grade and applying for a college. My parents had no clue I did it. And I applied for their um, elementary education field to start studying there. And I got a letter back thanking me for applying, letting me know that it would be a few more years before they could give me an answer. But my grades look good as is, and, and I was headed in the right direction. So it was kind of funny how I always wanted to do that. Well, by the time I actually got to the age where I had graduated high school, I was in college at State University, or I was getting ready to go to college, I should say. Um, I had wanted to go to that same college. I was considering one other by then. And my father took me out. I had uh, been seeing a gentleman, a uh, high school sweetheart, and we had started talking about marriage. And just flat out, honestly, my dad was like, listen, I just see you having a bunch of kids. I wanted like a good dozen kids at the time and have a family. And my father was like, Christy, you have such a good business sense. I'd hate for you to go get your four-year degree and then you just become a stay-at-home mom and don't use that degree. Why don't you jump into the business world and get your, you know, just your two-year degree, your associate's degree in business? Um, I know that you would use that well. And so I, you know, appreciated what my father had shared. Obviously, my parents knew me well and I wanted to honor them too. And so I decided to go that route. So I gave up the teaching degree and the private Christian college that I wanted to attend and jumped into business. Uh, so I did that for a little while. I, sh I sure enough married that gentleman. Um, and then I started doing some business stuff, had my first child, wound up staying home with him. So it kind of went in that direction. And then life got crazy, right? Life always gets crazy. It never works out as we plan. And so my first husband and I wound up separating and I um, decided to go back to college and become a teacher. So I already had a little bit of business experience there, decided to go back at my teaching degree. And when I finished that up, that's when I moved to South Carolina, taught here. And so kind of a similar story. I got remarried to my awesome husband, Mark. Um, when we decided that I was going to become a stay-at-home mom, I stopped teaching, and that's when I started doing Pampered Chef, other businesses um, that really drew me back to my business degree because teaching is a lot of work, and it's definitely full-time. It's not something you can really do part-time. And so just depending on my season of life has really been why I've been in whatever field I want. Public service is a whole other answer to that if you want that. But as far as um, teaching and as far as business, it's really just been how can I serve my children best, um, keeping that priority and which job fits that role at that time. Yeah, so what what did make you uh, decide to go into public service? Uh, what was your yeah. inspiration? 
Well, that is a whole nother ballgame. So at the time I was more in the business world, but I did do a lot of volunteer service, uh, mostly through my church, some things in the community, and usually wound up in a leadership role. Um, that's something that I feel like was kind of natural to me, but then I've morphed it by taking a lot of trainings and mentoring other, uh, mentoring under other leaders and just learning how to be a good leader. And that started to develop over time. And so I found myself often serving in leadership capacities just in a volunteer way. And some people recognize that in me and were like, hey, listen, you should consider getting involved in city council. And originally my response was absolutely not. I have no desire to do that, not gonna do it. Um, but over time, I just, um, I guess the, the thought of it sunk in more and more. And I eventually said I would pray about it. And that's really what was the game changer. When I started praying about it, I felt like the Lord said, no, really, I want you to get involved in this. And so I ran my first campaign and won that for city council. And a year and a half later, I ran for mayor and won that campaign too. And I truly think it's the people that encouraged me that saw that leadership in me that thought it could be a benefit to the community and really the Lord just confirming that and then opening the doors to get to that. So not something I ever saw myself doing, but I was excited once I got into it now. I absolutely love it. So what would you uh, say was your biggest accomplishment or accomplishments uh, since you become involved in hand-to-hand uh, -hand politics? There are a lot of physical things I could name, the opening of Railroad Avenue, the new parks that we're putting in. There's so many physical things. But the truth is, when I became mayor, there were some things I wanted to change or add, but there was one thing in particular that I was like, I need to cradle this like a baby. And that's the Hanahan culture, that small town feel where the kids are going out, coming home when the lights go on at night, all the families are on the ball field. If someone's hurt or in need, everybody rallies together. We've seen that so recently with Brock. Um, and our whole community coming together around him. And so that's something that I knew, cradle that like a baby, don't let that slip away. And, and the city of Hanahan is growing. And so to make sure it maintains that small town feel, I think has been one of my biggest accomplishments. The other thing is not just making it about me um, or even our council or our staff, because we have an amazing group of men that I serve with on our city council. I have an amazing staff. We all work super hard for the city. But the truth is we're limited in numbers. There's seven of us on council. There's just over 100 staff members, but we're 30,000 strong in the community. So one thing I feel like has been a big accomplishment is to say to the community, hey, it's not just about us and we, what we could do. Let's all of us be difference makers. Let's all do something to have a positive impact on our community. And I think they've really adopted that and said, hey, let me be the difference maker. I'm not just going to depend on the government to make the difference. But if I see something, I'm going to do something about it. And that is what makes our community so special is everyone willing to step up so kind of cradling that culture encouraging that difference maker posture has i would say been my biggest accomplishment that's made the biggest difference in the city because again i could do a few things but together we could do so much yeah absolutely i think a lot of the charm in hannah Han is, is how close-knit it is how they come together uh how citizens come together um and help with causes like with brock or you know just school functions um uh this again the um the sporting the sport culture um you know it's just a it is a wonderful tight-knit community um you really feel like you're part of something when you live in hand hand um so we've got a big opening coming up uh, april 28th um the hawk's nest park is opening up yes uh can you tell us about that 
Oh my goodness. I am so excited about the opening of this new Hanahan Park. It is 53 acres of both active and passive land. It's been amazing to see the different um, branches of government collaborate for the best use of efficiency, taxpayer money to really make this one of the best regional parks that you're going to find. Um, the land was originally actually part of the military. And the federal government, Senator Tim Scott, had a huge hand in saying, hey, this is no longer being used by the military. Can we share that with the city? And so we were able to acquire that land without any additional cost, which is amazing, um, with the caveat that it had to be used for a park. But that's exactly what we needed it for. The city of Hanahan has grown in rooftops over 60% over the past decade. And so we need to catch up with economic development and recreation. And so this is exactly what we needed. Um, however, developing a park is super expensive. And then in the middle of COVID, you know, prices were going up. So we did a bond referendum that passed with over 75% of voters saying yes. So that's huge on a ballot to get, you know, anything in that um, percentage just is a screaming yes from the public, we want this. And then what we also did was we partnered with Berkeley County School District. They gave us a portion of money to contribute towards certain features in the park. And then Berkeley County government contributed. And so everybody partnering together at all levels to say, let's make this an amazing park for the community. So it's gonna have um, some passive areas, some walking trails that are paved, some areas that are unpaved. It'll have some fields and picnic shelters that you can just go relax and enjoy nature and um, just have a picnic, do whatever you'd like to do, have a party there. Um, there are other areas that are uh, kind of medium, a little bit more active. There's gonna be some ponds for fishing. Uh, so you're maybe not as active, but not completely passive. So something for everyone, there'll be a dog park there for both big dogs and small dogs. And then there'll be straight up active um, fields. And so our large field, which you may have seen in some pictures and we'll see in person on the 28th for the first time, but it's an artificial turf multi-purpose field that could be used for soccer, could be used for football. And they have just done a fabulous job on this. It's so amazing. Um, we have baseball and soccer fields. We have basketball, we have volleyball, we have lit tennis courts. Um, and then there's some um, space indoors that we could also rent out or use recreationally. So they really have thought of something for everyone. 53 acres of beauty. There's still a lot of just trees and nature left on the property. And I know it's gonna be used and enjoyed by everyone in the city. That's awesome. I think uh, when I was growing up, the biggest multi-use park was uh, yeah. was Spell Field. You know, it had a baseball field, soccer field, uh, um, exactly, tennis courts, um, and a uh, playground. Um, that would that have been a great thing to have when, when as a as a kid in Hanahan. Um, I did open up our uh, some questions to uh, oh. Hanahan residents. The only uh, the, the only real question I got was from uh, my friend Mike Henson, and he wanted to know, uh, is there any talk or thought of a bridge that could bring together um, uh, old Hanahan to, uh, to Tanner that would maybe alleviate some of the traffic in the, the uh, backup of traffic in Yeamans Hall and North Rhett? Have, uh, yes. have we had any inroads to that at all? Is that something that uh, 
we've been looking that you've been looking at there have been discussions for a bridge uh the bridge that is discussed most likely won't be vehicle vehicle vehicular can't talk um it's gonna most likely be a walking or biking or if we could really have our way um include golf carts on there for transportation purposes when looking at a map of the area you'll see a part uh really over the goose creek reservoir that's only about a quarter of a mile and it just so happens that that piece is very close to the amphitheater and land that the city owns however the pieces that touch that we don't own um, another utility owns them. So there are a lot of pieces to this that would have to take place. However, discussions are being um, had. We've actually applied for a grant for it. We don't anticipate getting it. And again, these discussions, this could take a long time and it may never happen, but discussions are being had. We applied for a grant for it. It's actually in the long-term plan with the Council of Governments regionally, because the other thing is the Low Country Rapid Transit Line is on Rivers Avenue. And so if you were to attach a bridge, and again, if it can't be with cars to at least have it pedestrian, people from Tanner, Goose Creek area could easily get over to those stops that right now it's just not even attainable by foot um, without spending a couple hours getting there. So that would, you know, going around that body of water, being able to go right across it instead would make all the difference in the world. So we've added those to the long range plans for the Council of Governments to be considered and evaluated. So basically, we're looking for not only open doors, but any window that we could even crawl through to make this happen. However, I will tell everybody, clearly hear this entire podcast and not just what I said, but what I'm about to say now, do not hold your breath. Um, I'm not betting anything on here. It may never happen, but do I think it would be so amazing for our community? Do I think it would be helpful on a variety of levels, you know, keeping cars off the road, creating um, a sense of connection between those sides of the reservoir? Absolutely. And so just kind of talking to everyone and anyone I can about it, looking for different ways to fund it. And then of course, getting permission from the people that do on the land that could make it possibly happen. So there's a lot of pieces to this puzzle. It may never be put together, but I'm sure it's heck trying to make a puzzle here. Well, it took just under 60 years to get the uh, railroad avenue exactly. uh, opened up. So, you know, anything under that is progress. You never know. And that's the thing. Unless we try, you know, we could, you know, I, I could have come into office and been like, oh, that project's on the table for over 20 years. Why bother? That could have been my posture. But I was like, no, these previous leaders have, you know, sat, not sat on this, worked to this project for year after year after year and not let it go. I'm not going to be the one to drop the ball. I'm going to be the one to do what I have, whether it's to ca carry it forward to the next leader or whether it's to get it done. And I'm very blessed that we were able to accomplish it. But that's really how things happen is someone has to have a dream of it. And then you have to take some steps in that direction and then carry it as far and as long as you can and hope that the next leader continues to carry it. So hopefully one day and hopefully sooner than later. Um, in addition to that 53 acre park, the Hawk's Nest, we're in the middle of doing another project on Steward. It's gonna have um, a kayak launch, walking trails, playground, picnic shelter, um, outdoor fireplace. Really, really excited about this other park that we're developing. It's in the permitting stage now, so it's gonna be not too far behind the hawk's nest with its development. But I remember getting elected six years ago and I asked Johnny to kind of show me around, show me the city. What have I never seen? What do I need to know about? And he took me to this old public works facility where they stored old cars that needed to either be auctioned off or, or things that they were working on. It was used as the dog pound 
Um, we didn't always want to bring dogs right up to Berkeley County in Monk's Corner. So if we could keep them right in the city and give the owner a day or two to find them before we transported them. So we had a space for that and cats and, and really just other stuff. It was like random stuff. And so he takes me behind these gates, locked gates to this public work area. And it had the most beautiful view of the water. And I remember saying to him, the dogs have this view? Like, I think people should have this view too. It is amazing. And he's like, yeah, I don't know if that'll ever happen, blah, blah, blah. And here I am six years later and that park is being developed. And I literally thought that would never happen in my tenure. Um, and so to see it actually in permitting, building was already destroyed, dirt is being turned. Um, it's just amazing. So I'm the type of person, I'm extremely positive. I'm never gonna say never. And I'm gonna work towards my goals, never make promises because I know that too many times that comes out of leaders' mouths with hope um, and then they don't keep their promises. So I'm not gonna keep, make any promises that I know for a fact I can't keep, but what I am gonna do is keep making effort. What other projects uh, can you tell us about? Uh, obviously we've got the new shopping center come in on Yemen's Hall. Um, is there anything else that that you would uh, that you're able to talk about at this uh, at this moment? Yeah, so there's several projects downtown. As I said, a focus really was our park and rec, and the other focus was our economic development. And so we are working really in in two anywhere in the city, but the two main areas is in Tanner Plantation and on Yemen's Hall in our downtown area. And so that's where our focus has been to bring in some new business. And we've done that. There's been new restaurants and shops open. So it's been great to see that we finally have not only one we had when I started, we didn't have any coffee shops. Now we have two, which is super excited. One opened the brew over in Tanner Plantation. And most recently, the bean counter opened on Campbell right around the block from City Hall, if you haven't been there yet. And they are both absolutely fabulous. Um, so we are slowly but surely watching the economic development um, spark. And so the Yemen's Hole Plaza has been recently purchased by a developer. He has wonderful plans for transforming that. And that's actually in buildings and codes right now. So we're going to start to see some movement on that because permits are being pulled. In addition to that, uh, there's another uh, developer slash business owner. I guess she's going to be partnering in with a developer that purchased down Campbell Street and up where Pappy's used to be. And so they started actually same owner as the bean counter, her and her son own that together, but they're looking to not just bring a coffee shop there, but to bring in a mixed use three or four stories where it'll be shops and restaurants on the bottom living space above that. And so their start to, when they purchased that land, the start was opening the bean counter and they've kind of checked that off and gotten that underway and they're going to continue to renovate. You've probably seen Pappy's starts has started to really look like it's being cleaned up and renovated. Um, and then we'll see what comes up from there. But I know she has some pretty cool plans I've seen and what I have learned, like I said, no promises because plans change, but the intention right now is to put some mixed use there. So we should see additional business and live space there. And we're excited about that. Yeah, I think obviously anytime when we can keep uh, people from having to leave hand to hand and not crossing the tracks, that's a, that's a good thing. Um, especially with the amount of time we have those uh, trains are are blocking the, the tracks on railroad railroad Avenue um, you said when you came from uh, Rock Hill you fell in love with Hanahan what are some of your favorite places in Hanahan what do you what do you do when you have time okay. free time in Hanahan well Hanahan's obviously a favorite I'm always up for a sunset on the water and thankfully we have some great spots in Hanahan I don't want to give away all my secret spots but you will often find me like if I'm driving and I'm noticing the sun I'm like I think I'm going to take a five minute detour and go watch that happen um 
also like the brew in Han Han, if I want to get together with a friend, I love having lunch or grabbing coffee or doing something at one of our local places. So that's really, really awesome. And then just our amphitheater, walking around, um, you know, whether there's an event and a concert or something taking place or when it's quiet and you just walk around, take a phone call and just walk that trail um, versus, you know, taking it in your office or taking it in your car. Thankfully, I have jobs that are very flexible. And so I have the ability to do that. And sometimes I might need to get from A to B. And City Hall is not on the way. And so I may do some work there. Um, I really, really enjoy that. And the, the Tanner Trail, my family will often get on our bicycles. And instead of driving to have dinner, we might be, you know, eating at one of the restaurants like Los Gorditas or Familiares or LG's up at the front of Tanner. I live in the back. We'll ride our bikes through the trails. And we just love kind of being outside. So anywhere outdoors. Um, as far as favorite spots outside of that, I love downtown Charleston. I love um, the Pineapple Fountain, the whole waterfront park. Those bench swings are great. Um, anything outdoor spaces, like put me by water, put me in nature, um, and I'm, I'm just in heaven. So. Yeah, you know, for the last two years, I've been working yeah. mostly in Mount Pleasant. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm reminded daily uh, of what we take for granted for a lot of people take for granted here in this absolute uh like paradise that we do live in um you know people travel from i talk to people every day that are from nebraska new york minnesota michigan who all spend up their whole year to see the beach for a weekend um and we have it right in our backyard um you know the, the beauty of downtown like i just think uh <laughs> I think we, I a love lot of our beaches. Get, Brandon, have you so ever been to Cypress Gardens either? Have you been there? That is another favorite. Like it is just gorgeous. And you go there and, and you do, you know, I remember um, when I had first moved here, so it had to be about 15, 20 years ago, they had a thing you may have done it called tourist in your own town, where in the month of January, they mm -hmm. like gave you all these things you could get in for free. And I remember going to all the plantations and Cypress Gardens Beach, all the different things and enjoying Charleston. And it is so easy to just get caught up in life and craziness and forget that we live in like the number one tourist destination in the United States. And we have it all in like a 20 minute drive. If you live in Hanahan, you're in the middle of everything, the heart of the low country. So um, we need to take advantage of that more. And maybe it's a matter of just, you know, leaving our house and maybe it's a matter of getting it on our calendar so that, you know, other stuff doesn't fill our calendar and we don't get to enjoy the beautiful place where we live. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes you just need to be reminded about what we what we see every day is really special, and people in other places don't have yeah. it. Um, you know, we have the beach, we have the river, we've got the forest. Uh, you know, especially in Hanahan, uh, we are twenty thirty minutes away from everywhere. And I moved to Charleston about uh, forty years ago. I moved away once and came uh, came back pretty quickly. Um, I just think that it has so much to offer and, uh, you know, sometimes we just, I personally take it for granted, um, this last two years being out in, in Mount Pleasant, I've spent more time on Isle of Palms, really appreciating, uh, the beach, the views, um, just the different things, uh, in the area. And that's, that's why I'm doing this podcast is just, 
you know, to point out things. That well, I'll add country, to that, that too, then, uh, since you said it, Brandon. One thing that daily. my family has taken advantage of, I have four kids, and so we love to spend time together and try to be really purposeful about that. And, you know, the South Carolina State Park Pass is a great way, if you're an outdoorsy type person, it's a great way to really take advantage of some of the places in the Charleston region in a good way. So I'll give you an example. You could do Charlestown Landing when you have that pass. And that's like a little bit of a combination of nature, water, and like a miniature zoo. Uh, I love Bee City too in the area, but that one, uh, Bee City, you can't get in with a park pass, but um, Charlestown Landing you can. And then of course we have our forts you could get in with that park pass. And then another one is Gibbons Ferry State Park. What my family will do is we'll take two cars up there. We'll park one down at the boat landing. That's about seven minutes from Ferry. And then we park our other car with our tubes at Givens Ferry. And that's what gets us in there for free. And then we tube down the Edisto River. It takes about three hours. We'll pack a picnic lunch and eat while we're tubing down the river. And it's just so fun. So, you know, you can have all of these things right in the Charleston region. And I love the fact that you can get a state park pass. And once you pay that one fee, you get to enjoy these things unlimited for the whole year. Yes, floating from Givans Park to Boat Landing Road is one yeah. of my absolute favorite experiences in the Low Country. Um, you know, actually, I haven't done it in, in a couple of years. Uh, the yeah. last time we were scheduled to do it, a uh, there was a, a hurricane came through, <laughs> yeah. and um, it raised the water level uh, just too high. Um, once it gets too high. It becomes a, uh, or you can make that three, four hour trip in an hour and a half. And it becomes, uh, you know, really too fast. If you get off of the, your raft, um, it's it's a real pain to get back on. It can be, uh, be really troublesome. <laughs> it was, it was so special. We had such a great time. That was really during COVID. Um, I'll tell you, you want to hear a little bit of the background behind that or? So... Um, you know, I think everyone goes, oh, you know, national parks, that looks so cool. I want to do that one day. We had been to a few. My husband actually eloped and we got married in Great Smoky Mountain National Park. Um, and that was one of my first and favorite national parks that I learned about when I started getting into national parks many, many years ago before I had even met my husband. That was became a favorite of mine. Um, and so we had gone there a couple times and we had a vacation planned there that summer of 2020. Meanwhile, COVID comes. My, I was supposed to go with my parents and my sister and her family. So our whole family rented this huge cabin, all the cousins, siblings, everyone, we're all gonna go together. So we started talking, are we still gonna do this? COVID, what do we do? And we said, let's do it. Like you only live once, let's just do this. So we had said we were doing that. We had one week booked. Well, a week before we left, um, we had news that my husband's father who was struggling with kidney failure was in his last days. And so my parents took my kids, my husband and I jumped in the car. We drove about seven hours down to Florida to see him. And we knew it was gonna be our last time spending time with him. And it was just very sad. It was just your heart hurt. And so it was a very long drive back to Charleston. And I remember scrolling through Facebook at some point and some friends of mine were white water rafting in Montana. I was like, wow, that's so cool. I've always wanted to do something like that. And somehow we started talking about saying one day we've just got to experience more of these national parks. And we were excited about our trip that summer to Great Smoky Mountains. But I remember turning to my husband. And again, this was six days before we were leaving for this one week vacation. It was Sunday. We were leaving the following Saturday morning. And I said, what if we just keep going? What if we don't come home? And we just go, I'm working remote, you're working remote. 
what if we just do our work in the car, take a few days to actually enjoy the parks. Then when we're driving, we'll be working. When we're not, we'll take turns driving. And so in six days, we literally planned this trip and we were gone for 23 days. We did eight national parks, Great Smoky Mountain, Mount Rushmore, Badlands, Glacier, Yellowstone, Grand Teton, Rocky Mountain National Park, the Arch, and then back to Charleston. So 23 days, eight parks. Eight parks we did um, about 7,000 miles on my minivan. I still have that minivan. My minivan now has 232,000 miles on it. Um, but we saw America and we spent so much time with each other. You know, and it, you do these trips with your kids. I'm like, oh my gosh, are they going to kill each other? And it, there was a little tent in the beginning, but then you just get used to it. And I watched them form such deep, deep relationships. I remember we were in Yellowstone. I could tell you the exact place we were. It was such a special moment on the trip. Um, we were at uh, the Little Grand Canyon, is what they call it, and we were standing there, and I heard the kids talking about this trip. I'm like, where are you guys going? What are you talking about? And they're like, no, when we're older, we've decided we've loved this trip so much, we all want to live together, and so we need to buy a property big enough that we could all have houses together, and I'm going to work, and Haley's going to cook, and they had this whole plan for the rest of their life, and knowing that that trip was an avenue for that connection between siblings. And so seeing the country connecting together, I mean, it truly was a bucket list experience that um, I would do again in a heartbeat if you could, but you know, the world's back in motion again. So these things are hard, but I would say to that, don't be scared to just say, let's do it because there's never a perfect time to do these things. And at some point you just gotta say, let's do it. And so that's what we did. And we're so thankful we did. Yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome. Um, you know, between seventh and eighth grade, a friend of mine and I uh, spent the summer caddying in in West Virginia, and uh, on the way back, my parents parents were bringing us back, and we took what is generally a ten hour trip. We broke it down into like three or four days and did a bunch of sightseeing in in West Virginia, and uh, depending on which day it is, uh, we were best friends or we were fighting nonstop. Um, we'll give a shout out to Scott Knight. It was a, a great trip to um, through West Virginia uh, and uh, some of its wow. some of its more uh, beautiful places like um, Greenbrier, uh, Blackwater Falls, the Cass Railroad. Um, for the most part, we got along. We got along, but uh, yeah, there were some tense moments. I don't think either one of us. Uh, ever talked about moving in together at that point <laughs> that's a true friend when you can fight with them right some sibling love going on even though there's no blood there. i love it yeah um any any final comments uh Well, I just want to thank you for the opportunity, Brandon, for being on your podcast. And thank you for being such a great resident and wanting to kind of share the amazingness of Hanahan and the Charleston region. It is such a special place. And um, I love being a part of it. I know you do, too. So I'm, I'm happy we could share it. Yeah, I really feel like I'm going to get some hate mail from the don't move here group. Uh, you know, they're trying to scare off people. And I'm here telling everyone how great it is. And I do believe the uh, low country is um, just a great, a great place to live in general. And just offers so much. You know, there was there is a reason that uh, that we're always ranked as a uh, great top place to visit, a top Agreed. place to live. Awesome. Um, 
And uh, Christy, I want to thank you for coming on so much and being my first guest. Yeah, thanks um, so much for I having really me, Brandon. It. Hope you have a great day. And uh, maybe we can do this again sometime. All right, bye. Thank you. Again, I'd like to thank uh, Mayor Rainwater for coming on and being my first guest. I've uh, I've never met uh, never met her before, and she had absolutely uh, zero um, hesitation in accepting the invite to be a guest uh, for a podcast that's uh, never aired with someone she's never met. Uh, she had no worries. Uh, she said, "Hey, ask me anything you want. I'm an open book." Um, one thing, uh, this podcast is probably a little bit shorter than uh, a lot of my a lot of mine will be. Um, just kind of had a uh, I had a, a heart out when we were doing the interview, and um, so maybe there's uh, there's some other questions that can be asked in a future episode for uh, Mayor Rainwater. Um, one note on starting a podcast: I would recommend your first guest. Uh, not having a name similar to your significant other. Um, you know, being married to a Christine, uh, it, it is very hard to uh, say Christy and not, and not feel like you're supposed to say Christine. Uh, so that only cost me probably about 50 extra takes on this, on this episode of the podcast. Um, again, uh, you know, uh, Mayor Rainwater was a, a complete pro and um, was awesome to help me through this first episode. Uh, thank you again. Uh, this episode was a learning experience in many ways. The pen tapping incident was probably a blessing in disguise. It taught me a lot more uh, of how to edit and some workarounds when uh, things don't go perfectly. Uh, probably things that would have taken me a lot longer to learn had the uh had this episode gone perfectly um maybe i can get a uh, oscar nomination for um looking like i was actually reacting to uh mayor rainwater um i really you know i, I had uh, i was just going off of time cues i i couldn't hear her because i didn't want it to to bleed over into the uh into the re-record um I did totally forget to ask her about uh, the Griswold family trip. Uh, so at one point she just goes into a conversation about the National Park tour. Um, it seems like out of nowhere. That's uh, that's my fault. I totally missed the time cue on that one. Um, again, uh, learning lessons. Um, hopefully uh, I'll find a different way to screw up next week and uh, we'll learn something new out of this. Um, if you want to follow uh, Mayor Rainwater, I'd recommend her uh, her blog spot, which is Mark and Christy Rainwater dot blogspot dot com. Um, some great pictures on that uh, that national park trip um, look like an absolute blast. Uh, it, it does look like something out of National Lampoon's Vacation and something that. Uh, would be uh, an, an absolute uh, dream uh, of mine to do that that trip. Um, thanks again for everyone for listening. If uh, you want to be a guest, um, or if you want an event uh, mentioned on the show, if you want to uh, advertise on the show, 
or if you just want to comment to me directly, uh, my email is brandon at fromchaosmedia.com. Um, please go to wherever you listen to or watch this podcast. Um, like, subscribe, uh, and uh, give us a five-star rating. Thank you.